I want to contrast two psalms this morning. Uh, psalms 8 and Psalms 51, both written by David, kind of highs and lows. And just want to point out that uh, a lot of what, how we're looking at things uh, can set the tone for where we're going and what's going on in our lives. And what I want to do is walk through Psalm 8 first and acknowledge that this is written kind of at a high point and also that uh, it's one of those awesome things of acknowledging the majesty of God, but also the placement that he's given us as humanity in creation. And in a sense, if, if you were wrestling with identity and who you are and where you're going and what's going on, if you can lock into this idea of who God has made you to be, what he's called you to be, uh, it's significant. And if we can keep our eyes on that, it dictates where the rest of our life goes as well. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic are your... <laughs> I memorized it in another translation. I'm not... I'll get it in this. I like this, by the way. It's New Living Translation for this particular. I love the Psalms in the New Living. Your majestic name fills the earth. Your glorious higher that the God of creation is an awesome, awesome being. And he says he's chosen to use the simple of this world to confound the wise. He says, when I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? When you look at the complexity of everything, he's saying, why did you choose us? Why did you select us as a part of your creation? You made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. Gave them charge over everything you made, putting all things under their authority, flocks and herds and wild animals, birds of the sky, fish of the sea, everything that swims in the ocean currents. You know, that call to stewardship right from the beginning. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic your name fills the earth. The other psalm that I'm going to read is Psalm 51, and this is a psalm of repentance by David. David wasn't looking at the skies when this thing started. Uh, it's evening, sees a beautiful woman. Decides he wants to sleep with her, uh, does. Tries to cover it up with uh, bringing the, the woman's husband's at war, Uriah, brings him home. He doesn't sleep with her. She's pregnant, so it gets complicated. Eventually, David does the things that, that kill Uriah, so he becomes a murderer out of this. Then the prophet Nathan excuse me, comes and confronts him. And Nathan, and Nathan just says, you know, you had a whole flock. In other words, David had multiple wives at this point. He had kids by different wives. He takes on one more, steals the lone sheep of another man. And so Nathan brings this illustration and David's irate. And Nathan finally says, you're the guy. 
you're the one that did this. And they go through a time of repentance. The child dies, but out of that relationship comes Solomon later on. But I just, uh, the contrast of what are you looking at? What are you looking at, the, the temporal or the eternal? Um, the sensual is bound to our, to our five senses, right? I mean, what we see, hear, taste, touch, it's all connected. It's like this short-term fix and hope. And yet, the destruction that can come out of such pursuit and such short-sightedness is a, is a destruction, a destructive force. Now, I'll make note that David, he repents, but the consequences of that, of that sin were ongoing. And he has to pay the price for it in that regard. In fact, when you, you, know, when you walk through later on, you realize, okay, um, even the, the relationship with Bathsheba would not have been all awesome. She goes from having one husband to having a husband with multiple wives. So her, her situation doesn't necessarily improve. Plus, she's living with a guy that she's having to look at and say, you're a murderer and I was complicit in this. That doesn't help a relationship, right? Because you're going, what kind of person am I with? What kind of person am I to do this? And so the, the tension even in that was ongoing. Her grandfather had been David's greatest advisor, at least his name is Ahithophel, and there's another Ahithophel that becomes adversarial and links with Solomon or Absalom later on. Tell I was up too late last night. <laughs> links with Absalom later on to, to work a coup. And so, to me, there's an ongoing anger over what's taken place. Family connection that, that destroys. And, and, and then the, the infighting of David's family. Jockeying for power and position. So all of that is like, it's very complicated out of this. The continuation of this sin. But again, his eyesight got caught in the temporal. And the reason I bring this to you, is that David, man after God's own heart, selected by God, called to lead the nation well over 20 years previous, because he was 20 years on the run. So this may be 30 years into this ongoing relationship with God that he's had. And the notoriety, and he's seeing all God's goodness and participant in that, and yet he takes his eyes off the wondrous God, the majestic God, and puts him into the temporal, and his life begins to come apart. Most of us have walked through similar experiences. Now, it's like when you get up on the wrong side of the bed with God, and you suddenly one day you realize, I haven't heard his voice in a while, or in David's case, got out of the wrong bed, and is you know, having to sort out and, and go, what's going on with my life? And the question comes, will God talk to me again? Will, will he 
allow me that closeness to him that I once had. In other words, you may have been walking with God 30 years, but the rules are still the same. You step into violation of what he's called you to, and you walk a a profane path, you can anticipate some complications. And there's also this tension of saying, I once had the sense of the presence of God close in my life, but I don't remember the last time that I really had this relationship. Would he embrace me again? Will he speak to my heart? This is the context for this song. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize where my rebellion, it haunts me day and night. You just say, you know, the times when I used to be thinking of you and in your presence, what's in front of my mind right now? It's just that, yeah, I've done, I've lived in rebellion against you. It's taking over my thought. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You'll be proved right in what you say. Your judgment against me is just. It says, I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the room, teaching me wisdom even there. It says, from the beginning of life, there's this tension. Purify me from my sins and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You've broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. So he's coming back and he's saying, God, this has got to transpire through you. I don't have the power to fix this on my own. The question that comes in our hearts, will he take me back? Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. There's that heart cry. It's, you know, I've had the privilege of knowing your Spirit. So, is that still available to me? Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you then I'll teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Just a a brief note. True evangelism springs from a joyful heart. One that's truly been set free in the Lord. And and you can go about your system, so to speak, and being careful to declare God's word, but if your heart's not alive, there's not much fruit to come from that. But the beauty of a a redeemed heart, and one that has that joy of God, there's an ability to convey the goodness of what the gospel really is. 
Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, Lord, that my mouth may praise you. Again, songs of worship really come from a forgiven heart. You know, it's not working through the religion to get to a place of peace, but it's finding peace in the Lord and allowing the song to spring forth. You do not desire sacrifice or I'd offer one. You do not want burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. Here it comes. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. That's the beauty of it. That's the essence of the gospel through Jesus Christ. God seeing a sinful world and saying, I will do something. God reaching out to a lost nation, lost people, and saying, I will invest and I'll do what's necessary so that they can come back. David's crying out and he says, it's not about religion. It's not about me doing sacrifices and you know following a code. That's not going to earn God's favor. But it's an acknowledgement that in Him, there's an opportunity for restoration and healing. In Him, there's an opportunity to once again know the joy of His Spirit operating in our lives. Being set free from our sin. Truly healed. He goes on and says, Look with favor on Zion and help her. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit. There is a time for worship. There is a time for religious activity. But it follows the restoration. It doesn't bring the restoration. The joy of our lives and the joy of what we discover in the Lord is that while sinful, He died for our sins. While sinners, He planned a way of bringing us back into reconciliation and relationship with Him. And the same truth pertains to those of us that have been walking with God for a long time and suddenly wake up one day and said, I've been a fool. I've been chasing the temporal. Sometimes that's finances, right? We can get so busy in families, you know, She's working here, he's working here, and, and there's nothing that really comes out of it because it's, it's an investment in the temporal. It's not an investment in the eternal. It's a wrong perspective, and it doesn't yield the fruit that you wish for. Think of what we do for honor and, and for notoriety. How many of you want academic honors? Well, good for you. <laughs> How many here really even care about it? I mean, no. I, I, I'm not to say you shouldn't pursue excellence, but truth is those things don't last very long. How many won sports championships? Again, good for you. What's it doing for you now? Somebody's looking at you right now like, you? 
<laughs> Never mind, I shouldn't be. <laughs> That's, yeah, that was unkind, sorry. I can, I can still remember the joy of, of, of a championship and how celebrating with the team, I mean, we were the world's greatest thing, at least in our minds, for that moment. And it, it lasted a couple days. And then it was kind of forgotten. We were on to the next sport. Didn't matter. And, and it's... And now you look back and go, yeah, that really didn't mean much. But it was temporal. That's just it. We get caught up pursuing these things. And, and you can make your own list. But again, it's that short-sighted vision. It says, I'll take care of this now. I'll, I'll you know, I, this is the world and it's looking, you know, down. It's not a psalmate that's looking out and saying, I've got to be attached to the eternal. And that's got to be the driving force of my life. I started in on this this week, and part of it was, uh, yeah, confession time. Um, Char and I don't watch a lot of TV, but... Every now and then we'll rent a batch of videos. And for me to rent a TV series is really a bad idea. Because <laughs> we got to watch the whole thing in one night or, or two, you know. And then it's like season two, season three. And about halfway through the week, I'm going, I can't do any more of this. But I, I started evaluating what am I actually watching? And what I am, am I embracing in this program? And, and truth was, it, it was very temporal. And it was somebody else's answers completely apart from Scripture. And I'm going, this is pretty empty. And the truth is, I don't like the way it affects my thinking even, my thought patterns, my dreams. Everything changes. And, and I don't want to live that way. And you know, So I'm wrestling through that, but I'm going... I'm literally watching something different, but it is a very temporal thing. And then I, you know, I, I'd locked into Psalm 8, and then suddenly the other piece was finding Psalm 51 and saying, here's the two extremes. The one is David just saying, this is so awesome. He says, God, you, you, your ability to, to create Everything is just astounding. And the fact that you would place humanity in a favored position in that creation, it's mind-blowing. This is wondrous. And praise is just flowing out of his lips. And then the other extreme of this despair that says, the only hope I have is your mercy. But I know that I've got to have your spirit as a part of my life. I just don't want to live any way else. The privilege that we have in Christ of being restored over and over through life. Consequences still? Absolutely. That's why we're warned against it from him. 
That's why he challenges us not to walk into those paths because they're destructive. Lord, help us to see with eyes that look to you the eternal and the joyous hope that is ours in you. Help us in particular to get our eyes off the temporal, essential, the immediate gratification and to acknowledge that those areas don't truly satisfy. We rejoice in these psalms and Lord, we ask that you'd help us to learn from it. Amen. One word before we've When we walk through passages like this, particularly Psalm 51, there are times when confession is needed to others. There are times when we need to get our act together. Things come alive. You know, and you're saying, I need to make some changes. Uh, If that's the case, then that needs to be dealt with before you leave here, okay? If you can do that individually, fine. But if you need someone to pray with you, know that that's available as well. Okay, so if I ask the question, if when's the last time you had this true sense of the Lord's peace and joy as part of your life? Hopefully you tell me, well, this morning. Duh. When was the time before that? Well, yesterday. I mean, that's what I'd love to hear. But if, if it's been quite a season, maybe it's time to evaluate and say, what's taking place in my life and what when was the last time I remember that specifically but also uh, what have I done that may have violated this peace and joy that could be mine and it's time to get back on track immediately the challenge will come well would he embrace me after this time or will he that's the beauty of these passages That's the wonder of what we have in the Lord who forgives and restores. And that's what David was walking through and hopefully we can learn from that. May your spirit rest on these, your people. May they know with joy the wonder of your peace. I ask, Lord, even in this moment for those wrestling with forgiveness that there would be a sense of your redemption. As they walk through this process, that true healing would come. I pray, Lord, that you would restore and lift up. I ask that there would be a sense of your spirit upon each life. Now, Lord, I ask too, as each goes into the community, that you will give them words of life to speak over others as renewed individuals, that they will live out the workings of your kingdom, that you'll enable them with a supernatural. Be exalted and lifted up, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. Make one P.S. When you're seeking renewal from the Lord, 
I'm convinced there are seasons when we walk through an extended period of God speaking, similar to what Charlie was talking about, the discipline of the Lord, where he is, he is challenging mindsets and thoughts. And so, you know, we're not just seeking a feeling, but it's something that goes deeper than that. Feelings get attached to it, but it, it's this awareness that there's got to be a change in the way we think, the way we live, the way we do things. And so he helps us sort through those experiences. And sometimes the, an ongoing sense of remorse is part of the healing process. If you're in that, I'm not necessarily going to pray that he shortens it, but I'm just going to pray that he bring you to the conclusion, which is a joy and a peace that are a part of the believers. And so let's just allow the Lord to deal with us in that.